Hello and welcome to Clamp, the creating, living, and making podcast. I'm your host, The Grant Alexander, and joining me this week from the United States of America <gasps> is Morley Kurt. Hello. And all the way from the other side of the world in Australia is Maker Mackie. Hello. How's it going today, guys? What are you up to? Uh, why are you in the States, Morley? So... This morning, I began my road trip to Virginia, um, and the date of this recording is Monday, September 20th. The reason I'm going so early, because uh, high caliber camp doesn't start until Friday of this week, is that very conveniently, my sister lives about 30 minutes away from Austin. She lives in Portsmouth, Virginia. So um, I'm going to go down to visit her for a few days before the weekend, which will be really nice. Um, hmm. Haven't seen her in about a year since her wedding, which was exactly a year ago in Cape Cod. Um, wow. So that'll be, that'll be great. Um, but today was an absolutely lovely drive. I've never actually taken this route before. So basically I drove directly South from Toronto through New York and Western Pennsylvania, Western New York and Western Pennsylvania. And I was expecting to just be on like interstate highways for the whole route, because that's essentially what it is. When I drive to new England, you take 90 all the way across New York and it's, it's pretty, but you're on an interstate highway. But this one was all two lane state highways going through a lot of villages. And I kept thinking, I was like, Oh, I must be getting spit out onto like a big interstate soon, but it just kept taking me along. Um, these really, really beautiful back roads. And I almost was like, nice. did I forget to turn off avoid tolls on Google maps? But I didn't, it's just, you know, no, uh, civil engineers or departments of transportation decided to build a big interstate on this specific route in the most efficient ways on these absolutely breathtaking views, uh, roads that go through the Shenandoah Valley and all through these historic towns. Um, nice. So it was a, it was a really, uh, lovely drive. I, it's about a 11 or 12 hour drive to my sister's house. So I plan to do it in two days, especially doing that on my own. is not my idea of a good time. Um, so <laughs> I was planning to stop in a little town called Altoona, Pennsylvania, which my buddy who's really into trains recommended. He's like, oh, there's a great railroad museum. There's this like really cool railroad curve. It's this cool like little Americana town. You should stop in Altoona. And I got to Altoona at about 4 p.m. today and it sucked. <laughs> it was just like the worst town. Uh, it was like the only businesses there were, were banks. And I think it also probably had to do with COVID. Like a lot of stuff just seemed closed. Like I saw one restaurant in the entire town. And like, if I'm stopping wow. somewhere on a road trip, like I want it to be somewhere relatively interesting and the railroad museum was closed. It wasn't going to be open tomorrow. So, um, I kind of tooled around. It's, mm -hmm. it's always interesting when you're in a new place and you're like, am, is this the main street? Am I, am I in the right spot? And then I kind of drove around for a while. I was like, okay, I guess this is it. I guess this is the whole town. It just is really, really <laughs> boring. And it just not very like, welcoming feeling so i was like ah and i it's interesting because when i was like 10 minutes out 
I had, I kind of had this feeling. I was like, Ooh, if this is what the outskirts feel like, I'm not really feeling too optimistic about this town. So, uh, my gut was right. I looked on Google maps and I saw that like 40 minutes down the road, there was this little village called Bedford, Pennsylvania. So I kept driving, hopped in my car. I was like, Oh, I got a great feeling about Bedford. Bedford sounds awesome. And I got there and there's these, there's this really cute little main street, very historic, uh, much more welcoming feeling. Uh, but a lot of the, this really cool, like inn that I wanted to stay at, I think it was called like the, the screaming Eagle Inn. It was this sort of like restaurant and inn, uh, but the door was locked on the front. And then the other option there was this pretty grungy looking motel. And when I drove across Canada on the way back from the, the Rocky Mountain Lodge, I stayed in this super sketchy motel in Thunder Bay. So ever since then, I was like, oh, it's <laughs> like, if I'm going to be spending like 60 bucks to stay in a motel, why not just spend like a hundred bucks to stay in like an interesting place that's comfortable? Um, so I, I, I looked around okay, a bit and I found, this, bags. <laughs> I found this really cool place uh, <laughs> where I'm at now called the John Barton Inn. No, the John Barton Tavern. Um, and it feels like, it feels kind of like straight out of Skyrim, like weary travelers stop on this along the path and there's a bar and restaurant downstairs. And then there's four in rooms upstairs. It was built in the 1700s. Um, it's very historic. Hmm. And while I was eating dinner, I learned that it's also, uh, very well known for lots of paranormal activity. And there's a little guest book in my room. So I was flipping through it and people have all these ghost stories. So, I mean, I don't really believe in ghosts, but like I get creeped out and I definitely like got scared of ghosts as a kid. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm three beers deep now. So hopefully I just go right back, right to sleep. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's been a great trip so far. I'm super pumped for Austin's this weekend. I'm like, it, it, it felt this morning, it felt like leaving for summer camp. It had that same feeling. Um, so Grant, I hope to see you there. I <laughs> yeah. I hope to get there too. I, uh, yeah, it'll be exciting if I make it, but, uh, I don't know, Adam, why don't you say, uh, tell us all what you've been up to this week. Uh, I haven't really done much this week. I started building a TV unit yesterday. Um, and I have done nothing for it. I haven't filmed it. I haven't taken any pictures. I kind of just, it's completely off the grid sort of making for once. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of wish I recorded it, but really I just, I just can't be bothered. Like just don't have the energy right now to be setting up cameras and stuff. And even just getting out my phone and taking a picture, I just, just don't have the energy for it. So yeah, been building this TV unit. It's got sliding doors on the front with, um, uh, what's that? Like wood, netting stuff lattice uh it looks like lattice i can't remember oh, yeah. i can't remember what it's called um my wife has it all through the house it's very popular kind of like vintage looking like you would see on a speaker grill yeah that sort of thing yeah hmm. yeah it's like wicker oh, cool. i think cool oh yeah wicker yeah 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 that's it that's hmm. all i've been working on it yeah. is uh, well, i mean that can definitely be recharging a lot of time when you've been filming a lot and you yeah. decide to make something and just, just without sharing. It's good sometimes. It, it's great sometimes. And I think that would have been a great segue, but for <laughs> some reason, I was like, 
Oh, Rattan, yeah. Rattan. Yeah. Uh, it it would have been a great segue, but instead I have to tell you guys what I've been up to. I finished the toddler tent bed, which was, uh, I think it turned out awesome. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, Fletcher really loved it. He was like jumping around in it and like making us like roll up the thing, roll up the tent and then put the tent back down and then roll up the tent. And then he (laughs) wanted to snap the snaps in place, but you kind of have to like really pull on them because I wanted them tight. So he like struggled with them. And I don't know, it's super fun to see him like excited about it, but uh, moving from a crib where he couldn't get out or he never tried to get out to the bed. It's a bit of a struggle. We'll see how that goes. Cause yeah, it's just the, the switch from a crib to a big boy bed is, it's difficult. He's been getting up a lot, getting up in the middle of the night, waking up early and like coming into our room. Cause he can, and it's like, do you lock? Do you lock his door? Because if you lock his door, it's like a, I don't know. I feel like there's this like fire could happen, and he won't be able to get out. And I'll like, you know, never be able to forgive myself. I don't know. Yeah, it's like a weird. I feel like you should. Then I'm also that. like, I. Sorry. I feel like you should not lock his door. <laughs> yeah, but I know there's lots of people that have like, you know, like just like the like not a key lock, but like a privacy lock that they turn around backwards. Normally it's like mm. you'd be able to lock it from inside the room, but they turn it around so that you can lock the person in the room. I know there's, I feel like that's that for little kids. So that-, that sounds kind of trauma inducing. Like if I was a small child mm. and I wanted to leave my room and I couldn't, and you like, you're like, Oh, I'm trapped in my room. I feel like that could, uh, lead to some issues later in life. I know. And that's, what I'm afraid of and why I haven't done it or like the child safety things on the doorknob so that they couldn't open the door. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a difficult thing. We'll see how it goes. He woke up in the middle of the night last night and had to be retucked into bed. And then he woke up super early. And normally if he wakes up super early, he's in his crib and he can't get out. And so like you have time to like, you know, go to the bathroom before you go get him or something. And yep. this time he's like in the bedroom with you and you're like, Oh yeah. Uh, what's going to happen now? Anyways, frustrating, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, we wanted to do it, you know, give it some time. So we weren't dealing with that at the same time as, uh, you know, a new kid. So anyways, that's what I've been up to. I was like gung ho on that. I've finished all the filming for that, but I, I uh, don't know when the video's out. Uh, if anyone is a return listener from last week, you would have noticed I made a self-imposed deadline to get a video out this week, and I didn't get it out um, <laughs> because I was just busy doing other things. Like I'm making these uh, miniature clipboards for uh, the high-caliber craftsman um camp if i make it across the border really nice everyone's going to get a beautiful little miniature clipboard this one that i'm holding up for the viewing uh for the auditory listeners um and not the ones on youtube it's a nice walnut clipboard um so i got a bunch of different woods and different i got a couple like glue ups um and i was just working on that before coming down here nice that's such a good idea this yeah thanks it's uh, I really like them. Like they're great for, like I have one on my fridge for my grocery list. 
So I just put nice. some magnets on the back and I've got a couple out in my garage and I have, uh, I've got, I've sold them f- to people for uh, like putting pictures in. So they just like, you know, like hang it on your cubicle at work and then you can have pictures in it. Mm. Anyways, they're a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Thank you. So, what we wanted to talk about this week was with that beautiful segue from Adam uh, is talking about <laughs> what you're willing to give up or what pain or struggle you're willing to have in your life in order to do what you do. So it's in order to make a YouTube video, you have to make everything take three times as long setting up cameras and stuff. So that's a pain or a struggle you're willing to do in order to make a YouTube video, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of things that I wanted to talk about. That's one that's a pretty easy one to look at. And there's lots of people who make beautiful things that could make YouTube videos that would go insta viral every time who don't make YouTube videos because they don't want to go through that struggle. So I completely get it. It's, it's a struggle that we go through because either we are like sadists. Is that the one or masochists? (laughs) The ones that enjoy pain. Um, Or it's because we get something out of it. Yeah. For me, I um, just kind of wanted to open the floor with that. For me personally, like I've always thought, you know, everyone seems to, once they sort of make it a little bit in YouTube, like the first thing they do is hire someone to edit their videos I'm the complete opposite. I would rather hire someone to film and then I do the editing because yeah. like setting up cameras and getting angles and stuff like I just, it's so much work. And if I had someone that could do that and get the good angles and stuff, like I love editing. I just hate filming. So what would you be willing to give up to make that happen? I don't know. I just need to get to a point where I can afford to pay someone. Right. <laughs> so a, a lot of like the, this, this came from, I was reading the book, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Um, and in it, it was talking about like people who struggle or give up all the free time in their life to make more money. Right. To get that extra car to whatever. Right. Yeah. But and, and he was talking about how that's not always a good thing. Uh, but sometimes you have things that, you know, like we've talked about it before, giving up time with your family in order to make, right? Or giving up sleep in order to make. Um, mm-hmm. So how about you, Morley? So it's funny that you mentioned um, making videos as a form of sadism. Cause I actually really like making videos. Um, I've always liked making videos, not always, but at least since I was like probably 10 or 11 years old. Um, I thought about like, and not just like videos of making things. Like I used to make mm-hmm. like little action shorts with my friends. Uh, we used to really like watching like Freddie W and was really inspired by them in corridor digital. And so, would try to do like DIY, like muzzle flashes and stuff with like fake guns. And <laughs> I started, a, I had like, I think two other YouTube channels as like a young teen. Um, 
the even one before the parkour channel. I don't even remember what it was called. Um, but I love the creative process of making videos. And I've thought about before, like I would really enjoy trying to make like a music video. I think that process is like incredibly interesting. And actually Ryan, who I do into the spotlight with is starting to kind of explore that, which I'm really excited to see what he does with that. Um, but I feel like if I, if I look at what I, what I give up to do what I'm doing, um, one thing I guess I kind of regret, and I think that's kind of what this question comes down to is like, what parts of it do you regret? And it's being so tied down by heavy physical items. Like there is a version of my life where I can live out of a backpack. And I think it would be so cool to live that out. But in reality, it's not really me because in, as, in the same way as, making videos is something I've always enjoyed doing. Like I've always been like making stuff and taking stuff apart and building things. And with that comes a certain amount of physical baggage. So it's not like, uh, true. it's not like I really regret it, but I think it would be awesome to live an alternative life where I, I didn't have all this physical stuff. But the fact of the matter is, the things I really enjoy doing take amount of certain amount of weight and stuff, which really tends to complicate life, especially when you're in your twenties and moving around a lot. So that's one that's, thing I'm willing to sacrifice. But that's exactly, I think this is actually a, a what the, the whole thing is about is what you're willing to sacrifice it because you're not willing to sacrifice not making things in order to yeah. have that freedom or whatever, that backpack life that you want to have, right? It's, I, I completely see where you're coming from because I've often thought like, I'll just sell my house and buy an RV, right? And I know there's people who've done it. Like I know Josh from uh, the, I like to make stuff group there. He, uh, I think his Instagram's like Josh likes to make stuff or something, but uh, uh, he, I know at one point like sold his house, moved into an RV, and if I recall correctly, he had a CNC in the back of his RV. Oh, dang. That like, like it opened up, had a CNC back there. So um, that's one of those things that I just kind of, I don't know, I think about and go, I could do that. And then I also go, I also couldn't. Like, I just know I couldn't. Yeah. And I think it's I've important. Always, to I've rec- always thought. Sorry, sorry. Adam. I was just going to say, I think it's important to to recognize, oh no, we're doing the thing. I think it's important to recognize (laughs) these ideals. Raise your hands, guys. Raise your hands. Sorry. I'm like one pixel right now because I'm on this free tavern Wi-Fi. Um, I think it's important to recognize what's like this ideal that's like kind of outside yourself, like my backpack life, Grant's RV life versus like the parts of yourself that are like really you that you can't get rid of. And, you know, Mm. Like as much as I think it would be cool to to like live with very few possessions, like if I think of like the other things I would be doing around that life, like doesn't really seem like a very a full life. Like it's not like I'm a computer program or anything that would take very few physical items. Like the things I really enjoy doing and find fulfillment in, like take tools and materials. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it'd be really cool to buy like an old bus and turn it into a workshop with a bed in it. 
So you have like a oh, mobile yeah. workshop and a, just somewhere to sleep. I mean, if I didn't have kids or a family, if like I'd be more than happy with that. Just somewhere to sleep, a TV and a workshop, I'd be happy. But in saying that, I love my family and I love my kids and I wouldn't give that up. So mm-hmm. I make sacrifices for what I can. If we, if we ever have to move house, like God help us moving my workshop. <laughs> yeah you'll figure it out and like that's what i thought with my last place i'm like oh my god this is going to be terrible and yeah. then it, you just you just do it when i think about a workshop and a bus i just think of like oh my god that would be so radly everything would just be like <laughs> when you're driving around yeah everything jostled out of square god forbid you have a cnc in there <laughs> the uh and that's i don't think i'd ever want an rv i think i'd prefer a trailer because I can't stand the noise of things rattling around. Or a and truck. If you're, yeah, like a truck and a trailer instead about, of a... What about just a truck, like a moving truck? Because you wouldn't hear all that inside the cab. Well, whatever. I, I wouldn't want one that's attached to the driving cab. Whatever. Yeah. If it's a big giant van. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't really like those because they just kind of look like you're a delivery driver. and <laughs> I want everyone to know... I'm not trying to stealth camp. I want to. So it's the one who just built a minivan. Suck them Right. That's fine. Everyone <laughs> still knows my trailer looks like a trailer. Yeah. Um, so one thing I did think about was uh, when when you guys were talking about that, I was thinking like I want a cottage, but I'm mm-hmm. not willing to give up any of my current time with my family, time making videos, time any of my other hobbies. In order to, like, I know I could push myself really hard, sell woodworking stuff. I know I make good money making picture frames. I could start making more picture frames. And then I could take all that money and put it into a cottage fund. And one day, I, in a few, you know, five years, I could own a cottage. Yeah. If I want, if I wanted, if that was the thing that I actually If you wanted thought, to never see your family. Right. Or even, even if I did it at night and I just gave up drinking. Okay. Um I, if I just gave up drinking, I could probably afford a cottage. But it's the <laughs> things that you kind of go, like you have to kind of figure out what is it that you actually want? What What's the underlying thing that you want? Like, why do I want a cottage? Well, I want a cottage so I can spend time with my family. Yeah. Right? And so that I can have an endless supply of projects. And I just look around my <laughs> house and go, I already have that. Right, maybe I should think about that later. Right, I I think a cottage sounds great because it's like you can have all these rustic projects you can do that wouldn't fit in my in my house. Hmm. I think it's funny the way we we think like that because I think a step back from you of I would love to own my own house so that I could do whatever I want and have endless projects. And then you're already thinking you haven't even done that in the house you're in. You're already thinking about moving on. Well, it's just—it's like everything. You're—you're—you get bored of the thing you have. Yeah, definitely. I just want more space. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just got more space. Yes, but it's compared to any maker who's not doing it out of a tiny apartment. It is a very, very small yeah. amount. It's okay though. It's a—it's uh, something that I know will come with time, and it's with working at yeah. the Steam project and like seeing how the workshop is set up and learning through that, I feel like I'm just kind of like observing and learning and just plotting and biding my time. I, so, I, I can, I can definitely agree with that. I would love a bigger space. A single car garage is 
way too small for a workshop. Like I can't, I can't have a full size cabinet saw or anything like that, which I'd love to have. So, a lot of you can because I've been in garages with them, but I get what you're saying. It's not something you're willing to give up. You're not willing like, to give up yeah. that space. I feel like our single car garage is a smaller, but I no, I I don't think so. I just yeah. think you, the way you want your workflow to work, you don't want to be like ducking underneath the table saw to get to the other side. I don't know. Like I watched, I watched the video that Jackman put up when he moved out of his single car workshop, and like there is no way I could fit all that in my shop. His car, yeah, I don't think his was a single car workshop. He said, it, he said on the video it was a single car garage. Oh, it didn't. I think it was like a car and a half. That's what I thought. It's going to be bigger than a car. Yeah. When I went to visit like Urban Shop Works up in the Yukon, um, he to get to the other side of his table saw, he had to like duck around stuff and it was like and he cuz he had a full size uh anyways, not a stop stop, but some other like crazy yeah. awesome cabinet saw. Um so it's that kind of thing where you go, you can do it, but then you're you're giving up efficiency. Yeah, I'm not willing to give up that space. I'm not willing exactly. to have to climb around my shop. I want to be able to walk through the garage door into the house. Right. And I'm I'm with you. I'm the same way. I don't like walking. Like, I hate when I have to walk around something to get like, oh, it's so frustrating. Using the planer yeah. is like the thing that like gives me that like, oh, it's so frustrating. Walking around to the other side, walking around to the other side because you can't like reach over it. But what that's was my wife yesterday was like, why didn't you use the miter saw to cut this thing? Because um, the cut I did wasn't straight at first. And I'm like, because looking at my stuff, I'd have to move to be able to use it. Like, I just couldn't be bothered. Oh, looks like looks like Morley just dropped his beer. Oh, no. But so everything's about, it's all about figuring out what you're willing to give up in order to make things happen. And some of yeah. that is what you're willing, what struggle you're willing to go through. And like monotony is a struggle, right? Yep. But a monotony you get, like I think about people who make, I, I don't know, pens for a living. I'm certain that there comes a point where you go, I've made enough of them. And I, I think Austin's even talked about it. Like he's made enough pens. He's not mm. learning anything new in them. He's, you know, he's he's done all the different types of pens. He had an employee at some point making the pens, right? And eventually at some point you go, I don't want to make another pen in my life. But if I want to make money, I have to put in X number of struggle hours making the pen. Um, yeah. I could only imagine like the what Jimmy goes through with like his ice picks and stuff. Like he has got to be sick of making them. Money. I know he like gets other people to make them and stuff, but yeah, like... <laughs> You've got to get over that eventually. And I think what I think how he gets around this is that he like does them in tiny bits of time. Right. So instead yeah. of like, he's not making like all day, every day making ice picks. I think if he did, he'd still sell out. Right. Oh yeah. But he, he's not going to do that. Cause he just, I don't, I think it's like, you're, like he's not willing to give up making choosing creative uh, other creative endeavors for that Mm -hmm. so to turn it around what would you 
what would make you like content enough or whatever to give up making? What would have to happen in your life to either give up making or give up making YouTube videos and Instagram and sharing stuff on social media? I would what, need what to positive find, thing. I would need to find something that can replace that. What, what that gives me. Um, so for me, making takes away a lot of like mental um, stress and gives me that sort of like focus on something else rather than my life, if that makes sense. Um, but then that, that it has its downsides as well. But if I could find something that could fulfill that, or if I felt happy enough that I was fulfilled that I didn't need to distract myself, I think that I could easily give it up. I, um, I've definitely been thinking about giving it up lately just because it's a lot of stress, but I, I still want to make and stuff. But I mean, I, I would happily, I, th- I feel like right now I, I would happily get rid of everything except for my CNC. When you say it's a lot of stress, uh, do you mean specifically making the videos or making things in general? I think a bit of both. Um, and then like personal life as well. You know, like if I can't just go to the shop every single day, my wife would kill me, you know, but then like she says like, Oh, you can go in the shop for a few hours or whatever. And then the whole time I'm in there, I feel so guilty that I'm in there. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Making, making videos and stuff is very stressful. Not, well, not really stressful, but like, it's a lot of work. Like we said at the beginning, like it's a lot of work setting up cameras and trying to get good angles. And then you start editing and you're like, this doesn't look good. And my video, like, and you know, like, like I talked about last week, like mentally, like I always worry about what people think of me. So like constantly when I'm editing editing or whatever, I always think that the videos are crap and no one's going to like them. And you know, that's big stress on my, on myself. Hmm. Well, I'd say be happy you don't have only a wide angle camera like me <laughs> because then you just look like you've gained 40 pounds every time you mm. are in the camera and then it always for some reason no matter where the angle is it's always the back of my head showing my bald spot so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I used to like edit like crop out my the back of my head so that, and now I just just stop caring. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. It's like th- that struggle of of doing all that wasn't worth like the zero negative reaction I've gotten from that. There's not been a single person who's made fun of me um, for having a bald spot that wasn't like a friend that I, you know, you get to a certain level and you're you know you're okay with you know calling Dean short or whatever. I didn't uh, even know that you had a bald spot on the back of your head. Kind of watch some more of my videos, Mark. And I've seen you in person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wear a hat a lot. I think the whole time we were, I was with you in person, I was wearing a hat. Fair. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was only when he went to the tent by himself, he would take it off because he was so afraid of you seeing his Devon patch. No, we slept together. We spooned all night. Ooh. Yeah. So this was the other thing Scandal. I was thinking about trying to – and this is a callback to the pre-show, which nobody but the patrons get, is that uh, I was thinking if Morley and I could drive up together, I could claim that he was my life partner because they're a lot more forgiving. <laughs> oh, because oh, he's American. Yeah, because I'm a yeah. citizen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they would probably 
I don't, I'm honestly a really bad liar. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. <laughs> There's a wow. few people um, that just reminded me. There's a few TikToks and stuff going around of Australians getting pulled over by the police. Um, so like we have mandatory mask wearing is currently in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a contractor in a truck with like another person, you have to wear a mask at all times in the truck. If I'm in a car by myself, I don't have to wear a mask. And these people right. have been like Makes getting sense. pulled over because they're not wearing their mask. And then they turn around to the cop and say that they're life partners and they have sex and, and all this stuff to try and get out of it. So, so that was yeah. pretty funny. Does it work? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really watched that much of them that, that far through them. Uh, because it's always like, jokes. click for, click and like for part two. Like, no, I'm going to keep scrolling. Yeah. I'm not, not that interested. As soon as it is... As soon as an ad pops up, if I'm on, if I'm on like scrolling through Facebook and it's like a funny video and I'm watching it, as soon as the ad pops up, no matter <laughs> yeah, what was scrolling. happening, as yeah. soon as the ad, I keep scrolling and I go, yeah. "You lost me." And I know they don't put like they're it's they're Facebook not putting the ad in there. Yeah, it's, yeah. I know what you mean. It's yeah. so like I'm Facebook has willing. done ads wrong. But I'm not willing to sit through that ad. I'm not willing to deal with that pain. Yeah. In order to see the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> I think one thing I've been um, like trying to consciously think about in the last year, year and a half, is just project selection. Because I feasibly could do like pretty consistent work, like a good amount of it paid. Like I was recently approached about like making a seat cushion. Uh, which would be like a pretty interesting project. But I didn't really feel like confident about the quality level that I'd be able to deliver, like it being my first time doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I was also like considering like, is it is it the thing I want to be investing a lot of time in right now? Like learning how to make a nice seat cushion. Um, like does that align with the future that I see for myself? Um and it is something that like I might be interested in doing at some point, but currently like I want to be putting my efforts towards like inventive, interesting to me projects. That's not just, you know, commission custom work. So I've tried to be really like, and I, to varying levels of success, I've tried to be a bit more cutthroat about like, like, no, like these are the projects I'm willing to do right now. Like I want to be trying to do like original stuff that is really interesting to me that I think can make cool videos and that will like further my opportunities into the future in the type of work that I want to be doing. And in that sense, I guess the work, what I'm willing to give up is like all this kind of potential work that to me is just taking time away from the sort of projects that I really want to be doing. Right. Cause it's like, it's kind of like, this is the time. Like I want to, this is the time to spend doing the stuff that I want to be doing. I'm not going to like be making, you know, five wallets this month. Like that, that to me sounds like a waste of time to be making like a bunch of commissioned wallets. It's like, why am I doing that? Do I really need like $400 or whatever? Like, no, I want to be. But if say at what point, what amount of money does that go? You know what? Five wallets does sound acceptable. Like if you were getting a thousand dollars a wallet, I think you'd probably figure out a way to figure out how to squeeze in five wallets. See, I find it difficult to deal in hypotheticals. 
Because <laughs> I'm like, is that situation actually going to arise? So I can speak in a situation that did happen in that someone approached me about a project that I can't really talk a lot about because there was a TV thing. But it was for like a sizable amount of money, at least for me at this time. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, well, I'm going to learn more about digital fabrication. It's pretty interesting. There's a good relationship that can come out of this. Okay. Like this is, this sounds like, sounds like a really solid deal. Um, but to be doing that in the field of like commissioned leather goods, I don't think I would take on many of those projects right now, just because it's not like the field I want to dive deeply within in, in most senses, unless it was like, unless it was something really specific that's aligning with things I'm like interested in right now. But I think the odds of that happening are pretty slim. Right. Well, and that's why I think you should always think about what's the, what's the break point on doing it. Because if you are like me and you know, you, you only want to do the projects, like you just said, you only want to do the projects that are interested to you. But I'm sure there's listeners out there who think the same way where, you know, there's always a point where it's same with like, everything's for sale for the right amount of money. Yeah. Right. Like, you have an heirloom thing that you would never sell, sell, but then someone comes up and offers you a billion dollars. Like I know it's a ridiculous amount of money. You might finally go, you know what? I think it is for sale because <laughs> I could live the rest of my life without a, another care. Um, everything has yeah, true. But and I know everything doesn't actually have a price, but the, you know, ninety percent. You know what's – so one of the reasons uh, I find Someone it hard came to up like, and offered me a million dollars for my kid. I'm, they're taking my kid. So one of the reasons I find it difficult to think <laughs> seriously about that question is because like let's say someone offered me like $1,000 for a wallet. Then that means that I have to make a wallet that is worth $1,000 unless this person is an idiot, right? So that's like – it's not like it's a negligible, negligible amount of work. It's a lot of work and probably a lot of anxiety associated with it because – I don't really think I could make a wallet right now that I could sell for a thousand dollars. So right. I guess I don't really like, I, I guess I could, Yeah. So I, I, I think about it because I always under, I'm a, I always undercharge. So if I were to just charge the going rate for stuff, I'd be more likely to actually do it like frames. If you go to Michael's and ask for something custom framed, it's, it's stupid money to get something custom framed and they don't like they're not going to do splines and stuff like i do on my frame yeah it's, it's all just like machine built right it's machine built but they're still charging because it's yeah custom sized yeah, exactly so i guess maybe that's why i like if someone wanted my work because they saw my like floating frames or they saw some you know one of the different frames i've done for for my friend rod and they said i want your work i would take what i'm charging rod and I would triple it, and that's the only way I would do it. Mm-hmm. And I'd probably still not be where Michael's is. But that's <laughs> that's the that's like my point that I'm willing to to break open the the frame jig. If I hadn't set up, if if I was going to do frames, I would set up my workflow differently. I'd have everything set up differently. I'd get a second table saw that always had a dado insert in it, right? So I wouldn't be yeah. wasting time. It's like you're always going to be giving up something. Like I, I have a shop that's made for making lots of different things. So then it's not efficient at 
batching stuff out. Right? Yeah. But it's more efficient at doing what I want it to do, which is being ready for anything. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just I was thinking about like efficiency versus like production the other day and I was thinking about like what you give up for efficiency isn't always worth it. Right? Just because something's more efficient doesn't mean it's more effective. And I was thinking about it while I was riding my bicycle. I was thinking like the bicycle is one of the most efficient means of transport because the amount of energy put in for the speed that you can go is is just amazing. It's efficient, super efficient. But it's not mm-hmm. the quickest, right? Like clearly I can get on a car. It's way less efficient per mile, <laughs> maybe not like some of the newer ones, but you know what I mean? But then I can get on a plane. And a plane is even faster, but it's not efficient, except for if you're gathering efficiency in time, right? And so it's like you got to tr- figure out what you're actually talking about. Because if I needed to get to Virginia the, the most efficient way possible, it'd be flying. But if I needed you found to a, get my- You found yeah. a nonstop flight from Ottawa to Norfolk? Because I was not able to find one. <laughs> no, but it'd still be faster. I guess so. It'd just be really but, expensive. But the Probably cheapest legit. flight was like $700. And it was eight hours with layovers. But that it, I can read a book. I can True. fall asleep, right? Like I, I don't need to be concentrating and driving. But if I but wanted that's to get I, a camper there. That's. Sorry, the most efficient way is driving. That's why I'm so amped for self-driving cars because you get all the advantages of a road trip, but you can do whatever you want while you're getting there. I'm, I'm so there. We, we already just, have I'm those. Ready for there are buses and trains. But there's other advantages to a road trip other than driving. So like being able to take whatever you want, being able to go wherever you want, not being beholden to the 50 other people who are passengers on that form of transportation with you right i know <laughs> I, I i hear you i just i don't know i'm not excited for it but i i don't know why i have problems giving up control probably hmm. take it jesus take the wheel tesla take the wheel take it from my hands i'll read a book while i'm yeah. driven to my destination it would be awesome yeah <laughs> that won't that won't happen in my cars i don't i'm like i'm i'm not even happy with cruise control sometimes i'm like nah you know what i think i think i still need to be in control thanks Hmm. gotcha anyways any more things you've thought about like pains or struggles or or whatnot that well i think i have kind of i have like two thoughts on efficiency one that okay i think you need uh, like i need certain amounts of efficiency in my own process and if i if i am so in the in the workflow of like trying a bunch of different stuff like in my workshop for example like doing 3d printing and leatherworking and having 10 projects on the grow then it becomes so inefficient that it actually gets in the way of doing anything so totally like that's why it's so nice going to like someone else's workshop that is set up for woodworking or for laser cut production or something, for example, because like there's actually 
there's actually method to this space that allows you to get stuff done. Um, and I feel like I so need to get a to little more to toward the, that point. Yeah. So uh, my, my clamidation for this week is Rich Lowen and he has a, an old six bay mechanics garage that he's converted into his shop. And he has like metalworking spot, woodworking spot, et cetera, et cetera. And it is exactly like you couldn't, he has a whole floor dedicated to like watchmaking and 3d printing. Right. And it's like, he has all these different sections set up for different things. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You don't get into the spot where you're like, you're, you're folding on top of each other. But he said what he got for having it all separated is he ended up with it being less efficient for, he ended up having to buy duplicates of lots of tools. Because he didn't want to walk from one end of the garage six car bays over to the other end to pick up a drill. So now he has a drill at one end and a drill at the other end, or a hammer at one end and a hammer at the other end. Hashtag right? first world problems. Right. Oh, totally. <laughs> but that's the problem. The bigger the space you have, the less yeah. efficient it becomes. It's yeah. the same with, I think Austin was talking about if he wanted to like redo his, his workflow, he'd want it. I think he was mentioning like a garage and a half would be perfect. Longer is better than wider, right? A square sucks as a workflow. And I, I have a square. It sucks. Like you can't get the workflow going anywhere because it always seems to be that. It does. You need, you need to make like an assembly line, right? You need it to be in a line and I'm not in a line. I'm constantly moving in a triangle. Everything is on the same spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you watched... um, Sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Go on. You go, Adam. Ask your question. What have we watched? I was going to say, have you watched Zach's video that he put out yesterday or the day before on his shop tour? No. No. so, So they built their... His shop... I didn't know this, but his shop's actually... Like him and his dad have a business where they actually build stuff for houses and stuff Mm -hmm. and their shop is purposely built two garages long it's like one garage sort of wide and then two garages long for that purpose of that flow right yeah i think if i honestly think i'd be more efficient in a one car garage than in my two car garage Mm, because of how much yeah the problem is though that like everything's so squished in you know like it Cutting a full sheet of plywood or MDF or whatever is so hard in a single car garage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at the I'm at the point now and like I, I actually thought of a new project that I'm really excited about on the drive today. And I realized that the limiting factor is going to be that I don't have a large flat surface to work on. Um because I want something really flat to lay like a two probably like you know, two feet by three feet piece of material on. I was like, oh, I don't actually have one of those at my disposal right now. <laughs> so that's a bit limiting, but I will say that I, I think I'm really happy with how my work has evolved and is evolving and starting in really small spaces. Cause I feel like it makes me really appreciate when I do have access to space. And mm-hmm. yeah. I, I've always found that when I've moved into bigger workshops, I'm like, it, it, it's, I think I take advantage of it better than people who haven't worked in a very small space. I think touching on that too is that with like filming videos and stuff, I want everything to be filmed inside the shop. 
so like before I was doing YouTube, I would cut all my wood out on the garage, on the driveway or whatever, and then bring it in and assemble it. But because I'm filming, I don't want to film out on the, on the um, driveway because I, I like lighting and all that sort of issues and, and all that sort of stuff. So like that makes a big play on it as well. I think, um, to my workflow. Well, and that's something you don't want to deal with the lighting and, and color matching and all that stuff later. So what yeah. the struggle or pain you're willing to go through is cutting everything inside instead. Exactly. See, it all comes back to some sort of yin yang, yeah, like struggle thing. Which is funny because I don't, I don't pain recording which, with the which one is door. the worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sorry, I think, Adam. I, think I don't understand why you. I don't understand why you don't want to cut outside. Like. I don't think having multiple settings in a video makes it any worse. Like why, why, why are I, yeah. you against doing that? I don't know. I guess I feel like it's not professional in a way. Like, like it, I don't know. Like when you watch YouTube videos and stuff of like the big YouTubers and I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone or I'm not trying to be anyone, but like it, everything's done in a shop. It feels like everything's like production in a shop. Whereas like, as soon as you start cutting out on your driveway, it's like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Uh, I, so it, yeah. It's, I, it's not color. So, it's more your like feeling. I guess so. Yeah. I'm also someone who's both. partial to like a genuine feeling in a video. Like, and this is a, this is a constant creative difference that I have with some people at this team project where like some people like want everything to look like it's in a studio and like all super yeah. consistent. But I love the look of like genuine, like this is what the setting looks like. Like I always want pictures to be taken with the workshop in the background and with people working in the background. Like I, I love to see all that stuff. And yeah. I, maybe that's also like the videos I watch. Like I watch a lot of channel when I do watch YouTube, <laughs> I watch channels where it's like, um, it feels like DIY. It's not like in a soundstage setup. So I don't see that yeah. as lesser than in any way. And the other thing I would say is like, you're also like, you're not a professional. So I don't, I don't think it's necessary to, like um try to come off as one and that's not a knock on you but i don't think yeah, you're no, I know what you mean. coming off as like a as a professional woodworker in your demeanor or your vibe yeah so i don't th- I, I don't think it's something to worry about hmm. so i think it's all about what you value because i know there's a lot of people who really 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 care about wearing the same outfit throughout a video so even if they're doing two different projects, they'll make sure they'll have both outfits available so that they can switch back and do like an outfit change to like yeah. film in the morning with one outfit and film in the afternoon with another one. Right. Like, and I know Dean DePlantis was talking about like, he wants to like wear overalls every time he's in the video. Cause he's like worried about this consistency and I will change videos. Like I'll, I'll have a video that like my, it does like, there's not a single shirt in it's every single frame is a different shirt, right? Yeah. So I don't, but that doesn't bother me at all. But it obviously yeah, same. bothers I, other people. I like that. I like the the feeling of time passing and knowing how long something is taken by the change of clothes. The right. only time uh, clothes becomes an issue for me is when I'm recording a one hour build. Because if I'm recording a one hour build, I can't be changing clothes every five seconds. But I mean, <laughs> in saying that, like it, like my one hour builds are built in an hour, but I might glue something up and then I'll go sit 
down and watch TV for an hour while the glue dries, and then I'll come back. And yep. what I'll do is I'll get changed, and then before I go back out to the shop, I'll change back into the clothes I already had on. All right. Yep. This is a non sequitur. Whoops. almost knocked over this painting behind me. Um, <laughs> also, when I draw my beer can, it was empty, so no worries. Um, oh on the topic of things we're willing to give up to do what we th- do we do the thing that i'm very happy to give up to make stuff and make videos is like i have so many friends that spend so much time just like sitting around and watching sports and like not doing anything and i don't enjoy that like i love spending time with my friends but like when we're when i'm hanging out with them and the activity is like oh we're gonna watch the patriots game like I'm pretty bored <laughs> to be honest. Like I'd rather be doing something. And so that's I'm very the, happy to give up those things. And I think that's a, like a trait amongst many makers. That's one of the good things about like my job is that like <laughs> I watch a lot of movies and stuff at work, you know, so I don't, I don't have to be at home. Like if I, if I'm going to watch the Broncos game, I'm watching it at work. Mm hmm. You know, so I don't, I don't have to waste that time. But the, the issue I have is when I, like my wife wants to sit down and watch TV after the kids go to bed or whatever. And sometimes I feel like I would rather be out like making stuff, but I want to spend time with my wife as well. So that sort of contradicts itself. And that's a pain or struggle that you need to balance in your life in order to make things great. Mm. And you know, who's great? Our Patreon Mm. supporters. Ah. So I want to thank our <laughs> Patreon supporters. Everyone over there at Patreon gives us a, uh, or everyone who supports us gets a pre-show and an after-show and a numbered keychain made by Morley. Um, and I think the one that's going out to our F-Clamp level uh, supporter, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking, I think it went out last week, so he should be receiving it soon. If you want to support our show, you can go to patreon.com slash clamp. Um, if you don't want to support it financially, we completely understand. We appreciate everyone who just listens. Um, honestly, when I see the number of people who are listening to this, and if I think about how much of a you know, an auditorium. I don't think I could get that many people together in my life and fill up an auditorium every day or every week to listen to us speak. I don't think it would be possible. So thank you so much for listening. Um, but if you want to share the show, write a review or, um, uh, just, you know, give us a thumbs up on Instagram or heart, I guess it's hearts on Instagram and thumbs up on YouTube's. We appreciate that very much. And now we're going to go into clampmendations. Uh, so today I'm going to be talking about Rich Lowen, which I mentioned earlier. And why is he my uh, clampendation this week? Um, he helped me out a lot with a project. I um, wanted to make a Tesla logo and wanted to, I mean, I agreed to make one for my brother and I was going to cut it out on the jigsaw um, and slash bandsaw or whatever. So like the letters, it's like a four foot tall uh, Tesla logo Um for my brother's garage, but I, uh, I, I was going to do it on the jigsaw and I just, I don't know, looked at it and just went, I don't know if this is going to turn out good. It's going to look like crap. You know, it's not going to be, my brother is particular. So I, 
I want to see if I can get someone who has a CNC. And, uh, and I saw in, in Rich's, uh, last video that he put out that he had like a four by eight plus CNC. And so I just messaged him and said, Hey, would it be possible to, to help me out with this project? And he said, uh, I'm out of the country right now, but I can, as soon as I get back. And, uh, so once he got back, I said, hey, can you help me out? And he literally got the vector at nine o'clock at night and had it to me uh, the next, you know, was done with it the next morning. I think at like, I don't know, 10 o'clock or something. I don't know exactly the times, but he was done with it the next day. If you want to see the that Tesla logo, he's got it on his Instagram. Um, it was, it turned out exactly what I was looking for. And he even gave me the uh, like negative space. So he set it up instead of like making it the most efficient use of plywood, he set it up the same way. So the letters have the right spacing. So now I'm going to give that to my brother and he's going to backlight it and hang it up so that he now has two Tesla logos. So thank you very much, Rich. Um, And if you are ever in Ottawa and the pandemic is over, you should go check (laughs) out his space. It is ridiculously awesome. Um, He has a podcasting studio in there. He's got everything. So it's yeah, it was awesome. Now. He gave me a little tour. Yeah. So I, I just and, want to talk about him a little and more. And he's got an he, awesome sign. Sorry. It is awesome. Does do you know what his like his general like uh his gig is? Like does he do like just like custom pieces for people or I think it's more art focused. Cool. Like art for art's sake focused. So like yeah, he just really makes awesome. things that make him happy. And does he like sell it out of his space? Uh, so when he opened up, um, so I think he, he used to own like an engineering firm or something and he sold that off and then opened this up and uh, the pandemic hit. So he hasn't been able to do anything, but he said uh, like he wants it to be kind of like a gallery and he can hold like events there. He set up a kitchen for serving, you know, but obviously pandemic has really put a, uh, thing uh, stop to that but I think he's got I think he might do some custom stuff or but I don't know exactly but I, I know he definitely likes making art it's so, a really cool place to do events like having the yeah. bays of each different making style and stuff that'd be so cool and uh, well, he's got a giant south bend sorry that's going to be going up for sale a metal lathe um, so if anyone is interested like Austin uh <laughs> and giant giant south bend lathes they're going to be going up so make sure to follow him mm. yeah, that's nice cool. uh my recommendation this week is the tv show dexter um season nine is coming out soon which i'm looking really forward to but even just the tv show in general is really good i started watching it again yesterday for like the fourth time so yeah nice I enjoyed Dexter. I didn't finish yeah, it, good. but I liked it. it was, I like the opening. It's very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for any, so yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, he's a forensic scientist for the local police department, but he's also a serial killer. Um, and yeah, hmm. it's really good. All right. Um, Count me in. <laughs> last night, um, <laughs> Eden and I were looking for a movie to watch and we watched Count Me In, which is, it was really cool. It's a drumming documentary on Netflix um, and it profiles a bunch of different drummers and kind of goes through the history of drumming from 
the fifties to kind of the nineties. Um, and it's really cool. It's just like really passionate about people talking about the thing that they love. Um, I always, in another life, I would love to be a very good drummer, but I think that ship has sort of sailed for me. Um, but I really enjoy good drumming and I really enjoy just kind of like drumming along to things. And yeah, it's just a very fun documentary. Um, if you like music documentaries in general, it talks a lot about like a bunch of punk groups, the drummer from Iron Maiden and Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, a bunch of other bands that I didn't recognize the names of are all in there. So it's, it's really cool. Hmm. Well, in thinking about your guy who lives in a backpack, he's not a drummer. Just oh, for put sure that not. Out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing too. You, it's like you might. Like I don't really see a path in my life that would take me to start seriously drumming in the next five years. Like if I ever start seriously drumming, I don't. I don't think it's until like a while out, and that's. I'm okay with that. Like I'm a hundred percent okay with that. But it's still something I really enjoy. Uh, and appreciate. Yeah. My, uh, best man at my, uh, wedding was a, uh, is a drummer and he made like, he just soundproofed his, his home for, so that he could like record and like play drums. And mm-hmm. it's insane what he did to make it. Like, he decoupled the walls so that like there's two separate walls so that like the electricity can go through it. It's just really cool. Anyways. Wow. That's why I have an electric drum kit. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Adam, what's the? we don't have a review this week. For those who are new yeah. to the podcast, if you write a review, Morley will read it in either the accent he thinks you have um, <laughs> or or if you write an accent of like, you know, I want it to be read like Pepe Le Pew, then he will most likely read it that way. Is that the skunk, Pepe Le Pew? Yes. Okay. Good. He, good he's good. been canceled. Don't worry. Um, okay. He's a little. Uh, I won't go there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Adam, what's the Australian word of the week? Yeah. So my Australian word of the week is ripper. Uh, like I going for a ripper, eh? Uh, like going for a going rip? for like a party. No. Uh, or going like a drink. Like a joyride. What, no. Going for, I don't know ripper, uh, but I know going for a rip. Like, So I'll use it in a sentence. This is a ripper sausage roll. That's a very really good. good. Yes. Huh. All right. Nice. Or really great. Really if great. Be, oh, if you want to be technical. Than really good. Yeah. I, like I think this episode okay. was a ripper episode. Yeah. Banger, yeah. And on that note, I want to say thank you to TF Turning for the use of the theme song. And uh, in case you, for our Patreon listeners out there, you would have noticed that Morley has stopped singing it and the world is sadder because of it. Um, <laughs> so if you want to find us, you can find us on all the usual social media places, including Instagram and uh, YouTube. Uh, just search for either Clampcast or Clamp Morley Adam Grant, and you we should come up. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thank you again to everyone. And until next time, cheers and have a great day. Bye. See ya. See you.
Expectations. Great. So today I'm going to be talking about someone I've already mentioned, of course, Rich Lowen. So why is Rich my uh, Instagram or not my? Uh, <laughs> he's over on Instagram at Lowen. Oh fuck! <laughs> Just start again. So today you better cut this out this time. <laughs> uh, this will be our bonus. Okay. 